on today's episode of Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. Mm. I mean, she doesn't fear being in a dangerous situation because she's she's consumed by danger. Right. Crack drug dealers, other crack kids, crack houses, right? Being out three, four in the morning. Um, my mother went to jail in her 60s because they raided the crack house. Really? But she was older and I was older, but the the fear, the lack of fear, the fearlessness developed in me as a child by, you know, seeing my mother getting beat up, watching my parents fight, um, listening to my dad come home drunk and being verbally abusive. I said he wasn't, but he had his days where he was verbally abusive when he drank alcohol. That scared me too. This episode is sure to deliver stimulating conversations and aha moments that may give you a fresh perspective. If any moment made your soul vibrate, please leave us a review and let us know if we're on the right track. Also, we release episodes every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe and visit BlackGirlsGettingTheirShiftTogether.com to access exclusive offers and coaching packages. The coaching packages include clarity calls, VIP one-on-one exclusive coaching, and my absolute favorite, the Tribe Vibes. A Tribe Vibe is a twist on Ladies' Night, focusing on self-care for Black women with a holistic approach. Welcome to Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. I'm your host, Ursula, a transformation life coach and mental health and wellness advocate. This is a safe space for amazing Black women to share open, honest dialogue about mental health and wellness, self-care, self-love, and basically how to get our shift together. Let's tune in to this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. My name is Ursula B, and I'm just a black girl trying to get my shift together. So tonight's episode, we're going to talk about narcissism. We're going to talk about how a narcissist thinks, just the mindset of someone who's been diagnosed with NPD. Um... It was very, um, hmm, what's the word I want to use? It was triggering to do this episode just because it would bring up a lot of um, thoughts that's happened in my past. But the beautiful thing is, and I've said this to on my show several times, that there's healing in the conversation. So there's going to be healing in this conversation because you may have some answers, some questions and some answers, and you just never know. So before we get into it, I'm going to play this song. This little queen, sisters manifesting their dreams, get your cream by any means and being with self-esteem. Beauty supreme and booty walk so mean. The way you fit in them jeans, you eat your cornbread and greens. Dance or a doctor, red wine or vodka. Redesign your spot and redefine your mantra. Retwist your locks and realign your chakras. Doing your squats and getting close to God, huh? Crunching with your squad or taking a girl's trip. Adjust your crown, you guys give to the world, sis. Celestial 
body, drink your water, meditate, sun kiss goddess, heavenly order, levitate, tribe of Ashanti, black girl magic, melanin popping, whether you ratchet or lavish, whether you bougie or savage, you a gift and a treasure, you got to love a black girl getting a shift together, black girls are getting a shift together, these black girls getting a shift together, man, these black girls are getting a shift together, these black girls getting a shift together, dog. All right, we are back. As you come in, please make sure and hit the like button and subscribe. Hit the subscribe button because when you do that, it's like turning the light on in the room and let's brighten it up some. Also, if you are listening on the replay, make sure and type replay in the comment section. And if you're listening live, why don't you just uh, type hello, say hello to a sister. If you're listening on the audio podcast, Please give your girl a five-star review um, and make sure and follow me, especially on Spotify. You know, um, we're at 85 countries. Let's keep let's keep it moving. All right, let's talk about narcissism. This word is thrown around a lot. So um, we're not here to shame anyone, but more of understanding. Hi, Carrie. And what I'm going to do now is bring my guest out of the waiting room, Mr. Leon Walker. Hello. Hey, Ursula. How you doing? I'm well. How are you today? Doing great. I'm doing great. Good. I'm so glad you came on. Um, this is going to be a lot today, but I'm looking forward to this talk. And um, thank you for taking time out on your busy schedule. We know you're what you're doing. I know what you're doing now. So thank you for taking some time no out. Um, before we get into this, um, before we get into the initial part of this uh, conversation, as a black man, tell me, how does it feel to be so open and transparent about some of your, your um, just how you were brought up and how your life is right now? Um, it's refreshing to see a black man be so transparent. Um, the transparency for me is, is actually, it was fearful. I've been doing this for 25 months straight. Um, Have you? Yeah. I started in June of 2021. So being narcissistic, I was accustomed to not being transparent. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. For the majority of my life, um, not my childhood, but that's where it starts because I didn't know what I was going to wind up becoming sociopath, psychopath, narcissistic, whatever. Right. But, um, I've spent most of my life lying, cheating, uh, ghosting, gaslighting, Ooh. giving the crowd and treatment. I spent 30 plus years doing that, Ursula. So when my ex-girlfriend recommended I do these videos about my narcissism, she was in the medical field. She knew she's well-versed in it. Yeah. She said, look, you need to start doing videos to help people. I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. So, that's Hold on, wait, me. wait. You had an ex-girlfriend suggest this. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm doing the videos. I would have never done it had she not said anything. That's why I say the same people that I hurt are the same ones that are getting me together now. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, that's what happened. So what's the difference by her telling, asking you to do this, what, in 21 and just say, I don't know if you were with her, just say in 2018, what was the difference between saying yes now and perhaps saying no back then or prior? Well, 
she was uh, really deep into church. And every time she said something to me, it, it, I felt it. It was like spiritual. It was spiritual. Really? And it was true. Yeah. Everything she said. We broke up. We were only together for like three months, but I was really digging her. She was digging me. We kind of went too fast and she was too far away. It just wasn't good timing for me. And I wasn't really ready. Even at, at the time I was 55, I'm 50, I'm about to be 58. I was 55 and I wasn't, still wasn't preparing myself for a healthy relationship. Right. I got with her and then boom, she like, she made me think twice about getting into a relationship when I'm ready or not. And so we talked and we discussed things. And I think I was, it was meant for me to meet her to be exposed with my narcissism to help people. Right. She was a, she was a three month relationship, but it wasn't to be in a relationship. It was to, to see myself for who I really am through somebody that knows me through God. And so that's how I accepted it. And I was like, whew. And I'm telling her, when I started doing these videos, it was hard. It was, I'm a very outgoing, social, tough, hardcore dude, very. But when I started doing these videos, I was, I was terrified. I was shaking. I was having nightmares. My, really? My, oh, yeah. Yeah. My nightmares. I have nightmares anyway, but they had gone away. But then when I started doing these videos two years ago, my PTSD was flared up. I would had to think about, oh, yeah, the topics, you know, what people going to say. And then I go back and look at the comments that was getting what's called names. I was people telling me they hated me. And I was like, so I became a coward. Right. And I stopped posting for like a month in 2022. I couldn't take it. I couldn't, could not handle it. I wasn't as tough as I thought I was because I was still hiding. So I said, you know what? I, I was going to ask you that for you to say, you know, I'm a real tough guy. And mm -hmm. then when yeah. you have these, uh, the Twitter fingers going off, that will make you stop. It did. And so I retreated and God always talks to me now. And he said, you need to start again. Just go, you got to do it. And so, because I was given this platform by an ex-girlfriend, through God. And so I kept thinking about it. Those answers, those are the, the answers I got of why I should go back and do it. And so in November, 2022, I was took a month away and then I went back December and I, I've been constant, consistent every, ever since. So how did it make you feel when you restarted most recently in 22? Really? I felt really good. I felt better. I felt lighter. I felt stronger. I felt mm. uh, more genuine. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, because when I started doing it, it was like it paid into my ego because I, my followers went up to like a hundred thousand like that on on TikTok. My followers went up on Facebook, Instagram, and then YouTube. Everything just kept going up, up, up. I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. But I, the mindset wasn't right, and so I was like, let me try again. So I kept posting and kept posting, and I get. I felt better and better and lighter and lighter because I was more genuine as opposed to making videos for attention and views and likes and all of that. Ah, so now, right. Yeah. And so now the numbers still go up, but I, I don't, I don't worry about that. I just want to know that I'm helping people and, and, and that I'm getting better, you know, cause it's not something you play with. Right. So do you get uh, several inboxes? Uh, you helped me or you reminded me, your stories reminded oh. me. All day long, it doesn't stop. Like my DMs, I can't keep up. I can't keep up on Instagram. I can't keep up on Facebook, Messenger, YouTube, TikTok. I can't. It's really? so I go back and I say thank you. I appreciate. It. I I try to do ten per day, but it's it's hard. 
Oh, is that many? Oh my God. Yeah. You say, so for instance, like on YouTube, there might be 50 comments on a, on, on, on a video or right. 75. And then I go to Facebook, it might be a hundred. Okay. Then I go to TikTok, there might be 150. And so then I go to Instagram, it might be 25. You're talking wow. 300, 300 plus every day. I just, I can't keep up. Wow. That's something else. Well, we have a comment here. Uh, Miss Moore said, I'm glad he kept doing them because I noticed when he stopped. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So thank you for that. Miss Moore. You said her name was Miss Moore. Yes. Thank She's you. She's right. She's right. Because when I went back, women were like, and a couple of men were like, Leon, why, you know, why'd you stop? Where'd you go? And I was like, man, I didn't even tell him I was leaving. So again, at almost 57, 55, 56 years old, I was ghosting people still years after therapy, like eight, wow. nine years after therapy. And I was like, man. And so I wasn't that tough too that I thought I was, that I thought I was. I was around men and, and in the military, but emotionally I was still shattered and afraid. I was. Right. Which makes sense now that you say that going back to one of your book titles, which said broken on it. I yeah. do remember that. Mm -hmm. So have you any pushback from men? So what happened with men, oddly, the men that used I used to hang out with, the men that are like me, but, but are undiagnosed, mm. are mad at me. My close friends that I've been known for 40, 45 years, they straight up tell me, man, I don't watch your videos no more. I don't like your video. Well, I get a lot. Not a lot, but I tell you this, Ursula, from the last two years, I've amassed 400 listeners. I don't call people followers. I've amassed 400 listeners, right? Right. And out of those 400, no, 400,000, I'm sorry. 400,000 um, listeners. And out of that 400,000, there, there has only been maybe eight men that reached out. And out of those eight men that reached out, seven were black, one was white. And out of those eight, only three are consistent, constantly talking to me each day, each week. And out of those three, out of those eight, the three are under the age of 40. Nobody over 40 has talked to me about narcissism. And men, wow. are, on, men are leading in being diagnosed with narcissism. Um, yeah, so I've heard that before when I was in therapy. I remember my therapist saying that as well. It's interesting. They're probably upset. Um, you know, some people say, well, How are you telling giving the cheat code? You're giving it away. Yeah, but it's but, really not. It's but, really not. But Ursula, the, the 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 worst thing about that is that they were cool with me when I was a whore. And now that I'm not, they don't like me. I'm fine. I'm perfectly fine with it because they weren't there when I had a heart attack. They weren't there when I was and I had bad eating habits when I was smoking cigarettes and cigars. They weren't there when, you know, I was drinking alcohol excessively, killing myself. They weren't there to stop me doing that. So why should they allow them to stop me from, you know, getting better and helping people save people's life? I, I still have a long way to go. I, yeah, in 2013, August 13th wow. at 727 in the morning. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, you know, you're right. We're none of us are finished because it's a journey. 
And I know when I started my healing journey, I wanted it to be over. Have you ever felt like that? You know, like just be completely healed because that healing is no joke. You start it's, it's, it's learning forever. about yourself. Excuse yeah, me? that's why that's why therapy was so hard for me. I I walked out of therapy. I say I failed it, but I walked out of therapy twice. I was in therapy. My therapist, the the psychotherapist, psychiatrist that I I was seeing, I walked out twice, but I had to go back because in the military they they hold you accountable. That's why people out here that are enrolled in therapy and they drop out no one holds them accountable to go back i was told i had to go back because in therapy if you have a failure it could affect your career oh. like the anger management domestic violence yeah really so i definitely want to touch on the military but before we do that let's go back because i always and what i've learned that um people's childhood experience is how you are developed as an adult, that character, right? So yeah. let's talk about uh, early childhood. Uh, I remember you mentioning that you had mother wounds. Did you find that out in therapy as well? Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, therapy is where, excuse me, all the changes occurred, started. Mm -hmm. Right. So, okay, well, let's talk about mom. So, how was your relationship with her as a child? Was she more of a domineering woman? Was she more docile, passive aggressive? No. So my mother is, it's really odd because my sister who's a social worker and had to study, you know, personality traits and, you know, all of that. She uh -huh. seemed to think that my mother was narcissistic and that's where I get majority of my traits from. Um, but my mother was never diagnosed and but speaking of my mom, she was very loving and caring from what I remember. Mm -hmm. um, she did all of the birthday parties. She did the Halloween parties. She's the reason why I was a Cub Scout. She's the reason why I played football, baseball, all the sports. Although my father was very manly, I had his physique and his mindset too. But it was always my mother that was taking me to practice and signing me up um, and let me get away with things too. And so my dad worked a lot. So I just mm. remember having, having food, having clothes until the divorce started and I was 11. And that was, that was it for me. That's when my transition and shift started 11 years old. I remember, I remember like it happened yesterday. I can remember. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So let's, let's talk about your grandfather. Let's go back another generation with your, your maternal grandfather. And I want to know how was that growing up in his presence as well as how did it affect your mother? Like, do you remember what their relationship was like? So my mother and her, her father had a close relationship, but because of that, my mother and her mother didn't have a close relationship. When really? my grandmother, yeah. When my grandmother died, my mother didn't even know she didn't even make the funeral. Um, and this was in 08. Yeah. And I was in Japan. But my mother and her father had a great relationship and we saw that, you know, but we also saw that my mother, I see my grandmother slap my mother. Matter of fact, she slapped my mother when my mother was holding my hand in the kitchen during Christmas. I talk about it in Broken. That's why I, didn't, I never liked Christmas. So my narcissism had developed from like from one, one event to the next to the next. It just never stopped. Oh from, my God. From age five, being molested by my cousins to um, watching porn to lose my virginity at eight, age eight, to my mother. Eight? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
to my mother and grandmother's fighting, fist fighting in front of us. You know, to me seeing my mother get punched in the mouth, getting her teeth knocked out, to it just never stopped, Ursula. It just never stopped. So people, yeah, I tell my story like, oh, no wonder you, you, one of my psychiatrists asked, she said, I, I don't, she said, I don't understand how you're still alive. And when she said that, I was 46. Because, you know, in therapy, you have to tell your story. They take you back. And I'm telling all these things. She's like, how are you able to just wake up every day and lead thousands of young men and women in the Navy? I said, so I was able to suppress a lot of my hurt and anger as a child. This little boy in here is in here. And he ain't going anywhere. Right. But I had to learn how to manage him. He's still there now. And I, make some, I still make mistakes now. I made a mistake on a video the other day. I, I was saying some things that was the truth, but I triggered some people, some women. I hurt some people, and I didn't mean to. But when I'm making these videos, I'm always going back, and I have to relive it. That's why it's hard on my spirit. But it's not hard to make these videos because God downs, downloads information to me daily, and I get up, pop, do it, right? Oh, wow. That's funny you said that. Because in, in group therapy last last week, we talked about the same thing about getting these downloads. Mm -hmm. And it could be something from 20 years ago, 25 years ago, three weeks ago, right. how we go. It just it literally would just pop in your head. Or sometimes with me, it sometimes it could be a scent. Yeah. It's just weird. The senses yeah. will activate these thoughts. Right. Uh, before we continue, anyone listening, if you have a question, respectfully a question for Leon drop it in the chat and uh, I will read it and I wanted to ask you when you said how you suppressed it a lot how did it come out did it come out in rage or oh, yeah. it came out in rage because I was going I wasn't going to cry crying wasn't an option so it came out in rage to hurt somebody's feelings to even um, as a child Oh yeah, I, I I enjoy bullying other kids. Yeah, yeah. It, oh. that, that's what. This is why. See, Ursula, this is why I understand bullies. I understand cheaters, liars. I understand people that kill. Okay, I under I understand people that touch other little kids because I was touched, mm -hmm. and I was mad at the person that was touched me. I I understand because. He had other things going on in his life. Somebody touched him. And so he started not only touching me, but he was he was physically abusive to me and he was physically abusive to his girlfriends. And he used to bring them over to our house when I was a kid. And I would hear the girls in the basement screaming. Oh, wow. Really? And they would leave and their face would be bloody. I saw this. And my mom was there. And so I was like, always like, I'm going to kill him one day. I should have been thinking like that at 10 years old. Right. So that anger developed into many things. I wanted to protect women. I wanted to hurt women. I wanted to hurt people. Because not only did he hurt me, but my babysitter and my cousins hurt me too. Mm. So so what, who, you, think I'm a, you think I'm a developing to an empath, a nice person? Not at all. No. And so when I start developing these anger issues and then bullying people didn't learn how to box and stuff it felt good to hurt people so that's going to transition to a relationship because now that's a trait hurt women by any means necessary hurt men by any means necessary and so i i, I became attracted to danger and evil 
How does that look? What, like, what does the danger look like? Danger could be anything. It could be um, going to a scene of a car accident and looking at the, the ruins. It could be oh. watching people fight. But the, I, tell, I will tell you this. I can't stand seeing a man hit a woman. Now that, now that will trigger me to do something to him or try. But danger could be, okay, danger could be knowing that you're not supposed to cheat, but you cheat anyway. Mm. Danger could be sleeping with women that you're not supposed to sleep with that are in a relationship. Danger right, could, right. Yeah. Danger could be yelling at your kids, calling your kids names, which I did. Danger could be being verbally abusive to people that can report you and get you in trouble, which did happen. Mm. But I was so addicted to danger that when I did get in trouble because of being addicted to danger, doing dangerous things, I got out of trouble by doing something extraordinary. So I lost my fear gene a long time ago. Nothing scares me. Do you feel that those are some of the same characteristics that your grandfather had as far as the danger, um, learning how to speak to women reckless? My that speaking to women reckless, yeah, that was from him and my uncle. The the danger and lack of empathy came from my mother. Because I really? saw her, oh yeah, my my mother, how could a you tell me if a if a mother if you tell me if a woman is a crackhead and she's walking up and down the street 24 hours a day, buying crack, smoking crack, spending money that she doesn't have, living in somewhere and not paying her rent in a bad neighborhood with no fear, do you think she's okay with being in a dangerous situation? Not at all. Exactly. I mean, she doesn't fear being in a dangerous situation because she's she's consumed by danger. Right. Crack drug dealers, other crack kids, crack houses, right? Being out three, four in the morning. Um, my mother went to jail in her 60s because they raided the crack house. Really? But she was older and I was older, but the, the fear, the lack of fear, the fearlessness, developed in me as a child by, you know, seeing my mother getting beat up, watching my parents fight, um, listening to my dad come home drunk and being verbally abusive. I said he wasn't, but he had his days where he was verbally abusive when he drank alcohol. That scared me too. But I, the fear was scared out of me. As wow. And so when my parents got divorced, we get sent to live with, I got sent to live with a lady I didn't know. And I'm on my, if I'm on my own at 11 years old, you really think that I, I'm not going to want to be on my own when I'm 15, 20, 25, 30? My independence developed when I was 11, okay? Mm. My selfishness developed because now I'm sent to live with Miss Irene. And my, I'm like, where's my sister? Where's my brother? Where's my mother? Well, we're going to be living in a hotel. They live in a hotel. I think it's about a year. So you really think I'm gonna have empathy? You really think I'm a I'm gonna want to share my life with people? Absolutely not. Uh, I if anything, you would be in survival mode. That's exactly what it. That's what it. That's what ha- narcissistic people. I'm glad you said that. Are always in survival mode. Selfish, self-centered, egotistical, cocky, arrogant. Because we have to create this person 
from the person we had, were going to become. I, I became, I used to cry a lot. I peed in the bed a lot. I got bullied a lot. I got mm. beat up by older people. I was scared a lot. And I was like, oh, no. And I was scared of girls for a long time. Mm. I had the ability to, you can call it discernment if you want, as a child, to see these things and understand. I'm like, dude, if you keep going this way, you, you, you're not going to amount to anything. Wow, and that's so, real. Yeah, so I knew this at eight, nine, at nine years old, I, I decided to join the military. I knew I was going to be in the military and I didn't, I didn't join. Yeah, I had eight years. At nine? Go. At nine. Yeah, no. that's definitely survival mode. Think about yeah. a nine-year-old. They're wanting to play Barbie dolls and I don't know what little boys play with. Um, we play with army men and we play outside and we swing from trees and we ride scooters and skateboards. But we fight too and we, you know, we touch little girls. We do all those things. So right. we get to, we develop, we're developing these survival traits, these instincts, these, we are developing addictions too. And so. Why do you say that? Why do you say that? The because, because when my girlfriend, when my cousins started kissing me, in my mind, they were my girlfriends. I was only mm -hmm. five when it happened first, mm -hmm. but it never stopped. It only stopped when I was sent to live with Miss Irene, but that, by that time I was already addicted to porn and addicted to older women. So girls my age couldn't do anything with me. Right. I like seeing. I like. I didn't want to see a little girl with a training bra, and I'm eight, nine. I'm like, Ugh. I want to see a full blown woman. And I saw women, and I talk about it in my book, Broken the Glory Hole. My brother drilled a hole in the, my mother's bedroom wall, and it was adjacent to the bathroom. And we would watch the women use the bathroom every Friday night. My mother had parties, and so oh, I developed wow. all these traits early on. And by the time I be, I, I, and then what do I do? And then there was a shift when I was a teenager. I was scared of girls. Really? Oh, terrified, terrified. But then girls- Wait, what was that shift though? What Was it an incident or just something in your brain said, you know, I'm- No, it was something in my brain that just stopped. It was like over with. And then when I became scared of girls, girls started dominating me. And I just like, so I was having sex. And then one girl gave me gonorrhea and I was 16, 15. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is this? And then another girl used to just take me to her house, have sex with me, go down on me. She snort cocaine, cook me a steak, and send me home. That's went on for like a year. So I had shifts. The girl that gave me gonorrhea was brown skinned girl. And I thought all brown skinned girls were hot in the pants. Really? And then the, the girl that had sex with me and went down on me, snorted cocaine next to me. I didn't snort. She was 16, I was 15. And then cook me a steak and send me home. She was dark. And so I was like, it was just, it just, these shifts kept. And then the first girl that I had a threesome with, I was in the sixth grade. She was in the fifth grade. She was a heavy set girl. So I was addicted to many women. So you mean to tell me that when I become older and I join the military and they put me around all of these exotic women, you think I'm not going to be addicted to them too? Right. I was already well versed in sex and porn and so now i join an agent we go overseas it just was just the next thing to do i wasn't going to stop there was no lectures in place that don't womanize and don't have sex don't have unprotected sex there were no lectures in place for that in the military you were you you were a grown man you drink you fought and you had sex mm. all in abundance was your grandfather in the military he was in the military my uncle's really? in the military my father 
all my uncles were in the military. Yeah, I was surrounded by military men. So. Oh, okay. I can see why you would go into the, or had the mindset of going into the military. Uh, was your did your grandfather cheat on his wife a lot? No, we we never we never heard or saw any any of that. Uh, when it came to my grandmother, grandfather, my mother, father fought a lot, argued a lot, and I found out in 1979 that I had another brother. So that was on the cusp of the divorce might have been because of my father's infidelity and so not only was i around military men uh and not only was i groomed and developed by men in the military but i was also groomed developed and i put cheating men on a pedestal womanizers really oh yeah so i always mm -hmm. saw men that had a lot of women i saw men that women were attracted to whether they had big muscles they had a full beard, uh, nice hair, nice teeth. I wanted all of that. And I was slowly getting it as I got older. And then when I got to that point, after I stopped being afraid of girls, then another shift happened when I was probably 17. That's when you stopped being as scared of girls. At it that actually, it was like 15, 16 when I got dominated, got gonorrhea. But then I, I, I delved into prostitution. Uh-huh. And so I was like, so again, the danger. When that girl was dominating me, I was just like, yeah. So I went to an extreme level of being impure, impure, however you want to say it. Um, and so I used to steal my father's car. He worked the third shift. I would steal his car and take it downtown Cleveland and find the prostitute. Right. So I had to go into danger to feel comfortable, to survive, to feel manly. Philip Manley wasn't going down the street and sitting on a porch talking to a girl. Philip Manley was still in the car and then driving without license to go buy a prostitute because I had money. So I worked at an after hour joint. And so the ship after that, it was over. It was no turning back, no fear, not scared of girls, dominate girls, I'm gonna hurt them, I'm gonna make them cry, don't tell me, love me. Lack of empathy, it just started, boom, boom, boom. It just got worse and worse and worse and more women more alcohol, more smoking, and more traveling, and more drinking, and just, and then I was getting promoted, awarded, rewarded, shaking hands, people hugging me, and so. Wow, that, that so there grand, was no, um, there were no repercussions. No repercussions and no therapy, and so all these things I was doing, I should have had therapy when I was six years old. I should have had therapy at 11. I should have had therapy at 15 when I was buying prostitutes. I should have had therapy when, at 18 and 19 when, um, I became very promiscuous, right? And I thought that it was okay. I said that therapy, I said that therapy. So in my medical record, it says therapy will be indefinite for this PX. PX means patient. Okay. So, um, but the thing with narcissism, people say it's hard to change. It is, it is, it's very hard. You know why? Because it feels good to be narcissistic. How could it not feel good to be narcissistic? People are always kissing your butt. You have access to women, you have access to favors, you have access to money, you have mm -hmm. access to prestige, you get promoted, awarded, rewarded. I was making, from 2006 to 2015, I was making $120,000 a year in the Navy. But I was a horrible boyfriend, I was a horrible husband, and a bad father. I was self-centered and greedy, and mean, and arrogant, and cocky, and, and angry. But mm. you couldn't tell. 
like a lot of people now, like, man, I did not know that you, you know, were narcissistic. They didn't know, but if they sat back and watched for a little while or dealt with me or was ever dating me or married to me, they would know. It's funny you said that, that um, how people wouldn't know. My experience with narcissism, when I finally told, shared my story, and it, it wasn't me, but it was a family member. And matter of fact, I was just talking to one of my close friends last night and she told me, she said, I didn't know you grew up like that. And she was at my house a lot, but she never knew when she would see me with my parents. She, she, she knew something was off, but she never knew until I started opening up when um, it was a lot more comfortable for me to talk about it. Right. Right. And so, and I thought about it and <laughs> This is so funny. I literally just had this conversation not even 24 hours ago. And I said that the narcissist that I dealt with, that I had to live with, they had a cover story so that they could be socially accepted by people yeah. as the good guy. Of course. But then I thought about it. I also created a cover story because out of shame and guilt on how I grew up that and I'm not saying this because I was dogging myself out, but more of having a little more self-awareness that I also created a cover story and I took on that narcissistic abuse as if it was my own, but right. I did not. So a cover story is really it, it's it's huge <laughs> and it's yeah. necessary. I feel that it's yeah. necessary. So it's almost it's almost like if you see a glacier on the in the ocean and it's real calm on top but mm -hmm. underneath all yeah. the whirlwind that goes on and that's how it, it felt but it's so calm on the top we have a question for you from simone charisma i like that name narcissists that abuse drugs are they a different type of narcissist yeah but they ultimately become the same type because there's the end goal right when you when you get high and you want that drug, you're gonna do it by any means necessary. And when you get high, you're happy. When you're coming down and on, off that high, you're unhappy. And you're looking at the person that you're with uh, that either don't doesn't want you to get high, um, got high with you, or is the reason why you're getting high. And so, it's, so it starts over. Um, and then the narcissist person may want to get high and have sex, extreme sex, different sex, right? And so my high came from not only just sex, but it came from having, uh, being able to juggle many women. <clears throat> my high came from a woman allowing me to explore her body. My high came from hurting a woman's feelings, making her cry. So there's various types of highs, but if they're doing drugs, the reason, what's the reason why they're doing drugs is because of their childhood, uh, suppressing feelings, emotions, angry, don't want to be married, want to divorce, just addicted to drugs because somebody introduced them to drugs, Doing getting high because it makes them massive pain. It takes them away from reality, like my mom. Right. right? Um, and so, yeah, they're different, but it is the same because the end goal is to feel better, to get away from the pain. The end goal is to do what I want to do. I'm going to smoke some weed. I'm going to snort some cocaine. I'm right. going to smoke crack, even though you don't want me to do, do it. I'm going to do what the hell I want to do. You don't tell me what to do. And you're still going to love me. Oh, that's real. May I add on to that? The 
addiction that I encountered, in addition to what you said, was the spiritual abuse that happened in the household. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it was extreme. And now I do realize that it was um, almost to keep and gain control. So I mentioned this to everyone that's listening. It's everything that Leon, uh, what he just mentioned, but there's also other nuances as well that is socially acceptable because just like you said, if you see someone um, using drugs, you're going to be probably a little more judgmental than someone who has their Bible open, quoting scriptures. But that was real in my household. It was real, real. And, um, oh, Simone said, mm, yeah, that sounds like what I experienced. Yeah, 100%. Um, you also have another comment from uh, Quita. She said, I really appreciate his honesty and willingness to repair things. Again, there's always healing in the conversation. So, wow. Let me let me get to my notes, Leon. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. And letting everyone know there's a lot of people tuning in. Please hit that subscribe button and subscribe to the channel because guess what? Leon is coming on for part two in two weeks. So I definitely want you to click subscribe. Um, I'm not going to lie. I can speak to you for about 18 hours straight. Because <laughs> There's a lot more, just so you know. Yeah. So we say part two, but, you know, I wouldn't be bad with the part three through 18. But we'll, we'll stick with number one right now. Right. And because um, there's so many on my notes. Um, let's talk about... This could probably take another 28 hours. I don't know if I want to go with the ghosting of women or uh, let's go back to the military. I found this story very intriguing about when you were in the military and you had to start going to therapy. So if you can share what was the incident that your higher up said, okay, well, you're going to resign you up for therapy, talk about your therapist in the office. You quit, all of that. So there's been times where therapy has been suggested to military members. I suggested therapy to people before I even went. You know, being the the big man on campus in charge, you know, making decisions. Didn't know what the hell out the heck I was talking about. But um, I don't remember why I wound up in a psychotherapist's office. I couldn't even tell you why, Ursa, but I was there. Really? Oh yeah, I can't. Oh, wait, I know. you're not just gonna go willingly. I just don't see you going willingly. No. Like, yeah, I just wanna go to therapy. No, no, right, no, no, no. Never willingly, but I remember <clears throat> getting an email and having to start my retirement process, and then you get sent all around the hospital. Go here, go here, go here. Hey, you need to check in with a psychotherapist. I'm like, for what? <laughs> you know, uh -huh. but it was to start my retirement to see what type of disabilities I had. But you don't get a rated disability for narcissistic personality disorder. You get it for PTSD, arthritis, um, depression, anxiety, sleep apnea, migraines, all of that. Right. And so it was just me going, seeing a psychotherapist. I didn't know that it was, I didn't know why I was, I didn't know. I didn't even know what a psychotherapist was. So I went, I showed up. 
and uh, wait, wait. Do you feel that if you knew what it was, you I wouldn't, wouldn't have gone? No, hell no, I wouldn't have gone. Uh, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. You thought you were about to go into an office and have some tea and crumpets. She right. said, so, no, no, sir. Right, no, sir. So <laughs> my diagnosis happened years before that, but oh really? I, yeah, 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 yeah. But I just didn't want to keep going back into therapy. So that's why when people get diagnosed, they like they don't really like tell you you have NPD. It's kind of like they'll it's in your paperwork. You read it, or they may say, "Hey, this is what you're dealing with. You know, you know, this is what you're gonna have to do, and for the rest of your life." Had they told me that years ago, I'd have been it, it would have affected me because I already thought that I was crazy because people Did told you? me, that, yeah, because people told me that my mother was crazy. And I have a lot of my mother's traits and I had had a lot of her experiences. So I'm like, I'm crazy too. And well, well, wait, what's crazy? What was your definition of crazy from you and your mom? So it was doing things that being addicted to things and hiding things. And I was slow to process a lot of things and I was afraid to love and I didn't care about things. And I would laugh at people's pain. And I thought that was odd. And my mother was just like, She's always saying, so, I don't know, get over it. I don't care. It'll be okay, don't worry. And I, I was repeating that to all of my girlfriends. I don't care, so what? Get over it. That You'd get okay. over it is real. Wow. That's, that's yeah, and real. So, and so back to what I was saying, I wound up, wound up in, a, in another psychiatric office. And like, yeah, it's up on the fifth floor, man. I'm like, I'm not going up there. But I went, and I didn't even know that I read my medical record later on, years after, and found out that I was in her office for 18 minutes and I was very rude and I walked out. What did you say, Leon? What did you say? It, it wasn't what I said, it was what I it was what I what I did not say. Oh. So I was sitting there looking at it like this, like, lady, I'm a senior leader in the Navy. I make 120000 dollars I don't need to be in your office. You don't even know me. <clears throat> and so I left. And I got sent back. I don't remember who sent me back, but when you, for the military, if you're in therapy and you're seeing a psychiatrist, psychotherapist, and you walk out, they annotate, document everything. And they call the job. Oh yeah, you get it, you email your boss. That's why I say people out here don't are not held accountable. I was held accountable. Oh, so I went, okay. So I, went back, so I went back weeks later, maybe months later, pissed off. <clears throat> and it was a different lady. I had the same attitude like this she's like look you're not taking it serious i'm like i'm really not i'm like you got i see a phc's up on the wall i'm like but i don't i i, I make more than you without a phc and i wasn't making more than her and i walked out but i was in her office for 50 minutes so i was irritated i was agitated i didn't want to be there and really? then the third time i'll go back and i stayed what made you want to stay i didn't want to stay i just like kept trying it was failure i don't like failure narcissism ah. even if it's like with psychiatric wards and people failure hurts i didn't want to fail it even though it's like you can't even sit down and talk to psychotherapists who can he at least try it i was like yeah you know so <laughs> yeah <laughs> i had i went back because i you know that wasn't only about mpd it was about uh ptsd depression and anxiety too so they come up they get all of that stuff out and so I was like, well, they say, well, you might, you need to go because some incidents happened in the, in the Navy that 
I should have had my PTSD diagnosis back in the 80s, but they missed it. And I went 27 years not being medicated for PTSD. Really? Yeah. Just for the queen, sisters manifesting their dreams. Get your cream by any means and being with self-esteem. Beauty supreme and Buddha walk so mean. The way you fit in them jeans, you eat your cornbread and greens. Dance or a doctor, red wine or vodka. Redesign your spot and redefine your mantra. Retwist your locks and realign your chakras. Doing your squats and getting closer to God, huh? Brunching with your squad or taking a girl's trip. Adjust your crown, you guys give to the world, sis. Celestial body, drink your water. Meditate, sun kiss goddess, heavenly order. Levitate, tribe of Ashanti Black girl magic, melanin popping Whether you ratchet or lavish, whether you bougie or savage You a gift and a treasure You got to love a black girl getting a shift together Black girls are getting a shift together These black girls getting a shift together Man, these black girls are getting a shift together These black girls getting a shift together, dog.